Amen. We are talking today about the expression of worship. Everybody say the expression of worship. It's our discipleship project study and uh, the series is the heart of worship and we talked about the attitude of worship Uh, and the idea is that God is always worthy of praise. How many believe that? And if he is always worthy of praise, then our hearts must uh, really be set, fixed to worship him in all things and at all times. How many know that things change? How many know that times change? How many know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever? So even though things change in your life, your health changes, your family changes, your job changes, your income changes, the Lord is the same and he's still worthy to be praised. Somebody say amen. So today we're going to talk about the expression of worship and the idea today is because God is worthy of praise, we must choose to express. Everybody say express. Choose to express. Our worship. Here's a little tidbit of information for you today just to jump in. Uh, there was a study done by the Resolution Foundation and they said there's two ages, uh, two markers in people's lives, two ages they found where people are the happiest. Now I would hate to present this to the younger classes, but since you're seasoned saints and you're wise You've lived a few years. You've gone a few miles. Anybody want to take a shot at the two ages people are the happiest? Sixteen and forty. Four. Four and eighty. Is that right? Is that what close? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think, yeah, that's probably when you're the happiest. You don't know anything when you're four and you don't know anything when you're 80. <laughs> no, my mom's 80. <laughs> Watch it now. And I got a few 80. You're, you're, uh-oh, I'm getting in trouble now. Yeah, brother woman. 21 and 62. How many like a prize for the closest? I mean, maybe $100. So everybody wants to get in on this. Any, huh? 25 and 50. Anybody else want to jump in? Your opinion. It's just your opinion. Everybody's. 21 and 65, is that what Phyllis said? Okay. 40 and 65. Let's just, okay, when were you the happiest? Give me <laughs> the two ages you were happiest. Maybe, you, maybe you're there. Any other input? We've got some. We got one. We got one response that one of the ages was exactly the age. 18 and 55. Very good. Anybody else? Two ages where you're the happiest. 16 and 21? Boy, that's pretty close. It's downhill from there. (laughs) 16 and 21. All right. Well, we've got two responses that one of the ages was exactly right. The first age is 16. Give Blake and Brother Jim Cripps a big hand. They got 16 is when people are the happiest. I don't know if that corresponds with kind of when you get your driver's license and you feel that sense of now I can go anywhere. Huh? They're not smart. That's right. That's not the point. But they're happy. They're dumb but happy. 16-year-olds are dumb but happy. 
You don't know how much the insurance costs. You don't know how much it's going to cost you to drive that car. But bless God, you got your license. 16. And then they say that from 16, uh, your happiness level kind of continues. It peaks at 16 and it falls between your mid-20s to your early 50s. It falls. And it peaks again. It's crazy. It peaks again at 70. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you got something to look forward to. 16's over, but 70's coming. Amen. I guess the title of this lesson, 16's over, but 70's coming. Brother Pate, 70's over also, right? <laughs> 70 is past. How many is 70 in the rearview mirror? 70 is behind you. Uh-oh, here's the grouchy, grumpy people. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Exactly 70. Brother David's the happiest at 16. He's the happiest he's ever been right now. Now, I know your life's a little different. I know there's a lot of criteria, and they say, well, there's certain markers. I know that's not, you can't lump everybody in the same boat, but on average, they say that uh, 16 and 70. That was interesting. I'm not sure what that has to do with worship today. Uh, Not many 16-year-olds in this class. Maybe uh, we know of one, maybe a few more around 70. Uh, But whatever stage of life you're in today, the Lord is worthy to be praised. Somebody say amen. Uh, I want to look today at 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. We're going to read here a few verses. I want your input today. We're going to continue, uh, hopefully, to uh, get your uh, interactive participation today. Uh, but let's start with this passage in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. And it's a lengthy reading, but uh, just read with me. You don't have to read out loud, but just follow along. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Everybody say, bless the people. I want to tell you, your worship blesses people. He was leaping and dancing. Verse 19. And he dealt among all the people, at, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well, uh, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread, a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Everybody got something uh, by being at the house of worship that day. Everybody left with something. That would be a great Sunday, wouldn't it? That everybody leaves with something. Well, Brother Gene, if you'd give me a piece of cake and a good steak and a jug of juice, we'd leave happy. So all the people departed. Verse 20, then David returned to bless his house. Now, first of all, we just read David blessed the people. 
Then he blessed his house. I'm going to tell you, if your worship stops at church, you're missing out. You're a blessing to the people of God by being in church and singing and worshiping, but that blessing has to go to your household. Amen. It ought to be a a peaceful thing for a child of God uh, to return home from worship. Amen. Oh, daddy's home, let's run hide. No, when dad comes home, it ought to be a blessing. And David returned to bless his house. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows. You're as one of those vain fellows. You're as a commoner uh, shamelessly uncovers himself. Verse 21, and David said to Michael, it was before the Lord which chose me before your father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, for this reason, will I play before the Lord. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm not thinking about anybody else. I care less what anybody else thinks. Verse 22, and I will yet be more vile than this. You ain't seen nothing yet, honey. That's basically what he said. You saw me today and you were embarrassed. You might not better go next Sunday. Because it's going to get worse. Man, wouldn't that be great if church was a celebration? I want to tell you, worship can set some people off. There's some people that if you, you know, you get a little excited, uh, there's some people that may not like it. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? I, w- I want to say something to you. I was privileged. I won't tell you when. Uh, it, I was privileged to be a part of a service and, and, uh, and uh, uh, these people, they're not, not op- apostolic in any way, but, but they, they sense a need for people to worship and, and they're tired of dead, dry services and, and uh, I was amazed at at how uh, they tried to encourage people to even just clap their hands. And, and then finally, one individual says, okay, now why don't we just all stand up and now what we're going to do, we're going to sing this song and I, we just want everybody to clap. And so they started the song and it, it looked like, you ever seen people that didn't really know when to clap? They're kind of looking at each other going... It's like they're swatting mosquitoes. I felt sad because it was so odd to them. To, I'm sure they probably clapped when the Cardinals won the World Series. Woo-hoo! But in church, it was so foreign. It was like they were swatting flies. And when the song got done, they all just kind of sat down. They did it because they were told to do it. I thought that's... That's disturbing to me. I thank God for what I experienced. David said, I'm, I'm going back and I'll be more vile than this. I will be based in my own sight. I'm going to humble myself. Doesn't matter what the men servants and the maid servants uh, think about it. And of them shall I be uh, had in honor. Verse 23, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Michael was the daughter of Saul. She was also the wife of David, the man who was the king in the street dancing before the Lord. 
I'm in the adult class today, but let's not make the material adult in any way. But let's think for a minute what it takes to have a child. It takes a relationship, a physical one. There may not be one emotional. Can two healthy people have a child if they don't love each other? Can two strangers that are healthy have a child and not even know each other? Oh, absolutely. But it does take a physical relationship, doesn't it? Now, that's as far as we're going to go. That's about as adult as this class is going to get. But I'll tell you this. When two healthy people don't have a child until the wife dies, there's a reason. Now, the Bible doesn't say the Lord had closed her womb. In fact, history said Michael had already had children. This is interesting. That now, from this day forward, her and the king... They don't have a physical relationship any longer. It's over. From that day till the day she dies. Does the Lord smite her? It doesn't say that. It just says she doesn't have a child. Listen, I want to stay on the good side of the king. I want there to be growth. And yes, we need to give forth spiritual children. I want to stay on the good side of the king. I want the king to be pleased with me. And uh, David was the king that had been anointed. I I don't want to take a lot of time with David's anointing, but I want you to think about this for just a minute. David was a shepherd. And in those days, there were seasons where a shepherd would do his shepherding. And many times it wasn't a job where you, you know, you wake up in the morning at your house and you go out and tend to the sheep and then you come home at night and eat supper and go to bed. When you're a shepherd, you lived in the field. You lived in the field. You lived with the sheep. You, you watched over the sheep. You camped out. It was, it was months and months of tending to sheep. And the Bible tells us while David is tending these sheep, he's doing a number of things. One of those, he's a musician, a songwriter. Some of his early psalms and songs can be found in the scripture. David learned how to play the, uh, some instruments. And, and this is where he wrote some of those psalms. Some of those songs. There's some other things that happened as he tended sheep. Uh, the Bible tells us that on one occasion while he's watching the sheep, a lion came out. Remember that? And the lion, what was the lion going to do? He was going to take one of David's sheep. And David uh, knew that the you know, sheep represented uh, financial security. And David had a... Had a uh, a decision to make. You either run and let the, the lion have all the lambs or, or you fight, you stand for something. And the Bible tells us that David slew the lion. How many saw the report this past week of the man who was attacked by a mountain lion and uh, choked his way back to life? <laughs> you know, he's got scars over his face and he talks about how he had one hand free and he got a rock and hit the mountain, the mountain lion, let go and he stuck his on his neck and, and uh, I don't know if David had any scars but we do know when David met Goliath he had a weapon it was a sling he said the Lord deliver me from the lion and the bear he'll deliver me from your hand also David must have had some practice in if he takes a rock and put it in a sling and kills a lion he's pretty, he's pretty good with a sling Lions usually attack at night. Uh, they, they search for prey at night. 
So in the middle of a dark night, David had an encounter with a lion and the Lord, I mean, would the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you come face to face with the king of the jungle and the Lord delivers you? What an incredible thing that would be. And the Bible then says the Lord delivered him from a bear. How many's ever been bear hunting? How many feels like you've been bear hunting? I was in Maine preaching a men's meeting and the pastor said, hey, let's go over to my house after, after church. We're going to eat and I want to show you the video of my bear hunt. I said, man, that'd be awesome. He said, I bow hunt and I, I shot a big black bear and I want you to see the video. I thought, okay. So we go eat and he turns on the machine. You know, we start watching and sure enough, there's this this view from up in this tree he's got a GoPro or something up in the tree and, and it's shining down there's this big opening in the woods big thick woods but there's this big opening and off to the side of that opening there's a big barrel 55 gallon drum kind of leaning over I, I said what's that he said oh that's the that's the food barrel I said what, what's, what's that for he said oh inside there there's old donuts and honey and Oh, he said, oh, just watch. It's awesome. I said, okay. Sure enough, after a while, you know, he speeds it up. And then you see this bear kind of lumbering into this open area. And he goes right up to that barrel and dives in. I mean, the only part sticking out is about half of him. And that guy shoots this bear who's half in a barrel. I said, man, now that's hunting right there. That's hunting right there, I'm telling you. I've never, what a he-man. Shoot a bear in a barrel while he's enjoying donuts. I've kind of felt that way sometimes. While I, <laughs> anybody been eating donuts and feel like, man, something's fixing to happen, man. I'm getting pain, so <laughs> get all sugared up. Well, he went out in style eating donuts. Bo. Arrow right through the back, right through the lung. Just, and then I get, a, I get a picture from one of my good preacher friends in Texas. And he's, look at this buck I shot. And in uh, West Texas, you can put out feeders. Feeders. You can hunt right over a feeder. The thing four or five times a day goes, throws corn out. And all the deer come running. And there he is up in his stand. He's, Shoots one of them. He sends me a text every year with a big picture. Look at this big buck I shot. And I said, you get him out your corn before he bled all over your corn? Don't let him bleed on your donuts. <laughs> Somebody say amen. He's, David didn't have, you know, he wasn't trying to bait the bear. A bear came for the bait. It was the sheep. And the Bible tells us that David slew the bear. That would have been a wonderful thing, right? Man. But you know what else it does? It kind of breeds confidence. If you're camping out with the sheep and you've been out there a couple of months and you get a lion under your belt and you get a bear under your belt, you start thinking, man, I think I can do this. I don't know what tougher fight you're going to have than a lion or a bear. But the Bible tells us of a day where David's life changed. A servant comes and gets David while he's watching the sheep and says, the prophet's at your house. Now when the preacher shows up at your house, <laughs> something's up. 
Most times anyway. So it was in the Old Testament. The prophet shows up and, and uh, there's either a blessing or a curse coming. And David, I'm sure, is probably a little uh, nervous in anticipation of what's happening. And the Bible tells us that he arrives. And I'm going to make the story short. I'll try to anyway. His brothers are all standing there. And Samuel, the prophet, is standing there. And as soon as David sees Samuel, uh, Samuel indicates that this is the reason he has come. He basically starts talking about this is the one that the Lord has anointed. Now, now David's minding his business. He's doing his own thing. He's not, he's out, not out politicking. He's not going to conference passing out cards saying I'd be a good king. <laughs> no, he's just a good shepherd. That's all he is. And the Bible tells us Samuel says you're the one that the Lord's anointed to be king over Israel. Imagine, folks, you're just minding your business and all of a sudden God says he puts his, his stamp of choice and approval upon you. What a blessing. What a challenge. David's going to have fights as a king that's going to be just as tough as the lion and the bear. There are going to be some battles that are tougher than the lion and the bear. Some he'll lose. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But David was God's choice to be king over Israel. It was a defining moment in the life of David. It transformed his life. In fact, he tells his wife, he says, The Lord chose me over your father and all of your household. I was minding my business and God chose me. Now I want to tell you, every one of us knows what that feels like. You say, oh, I'm not sure I understand. Well, yeah, we, we may not even had God on our radar, but God got a hold of our hearts. We may not even have been thinking about God, but God drew us and God spoke to us. And he called us out of darkness into marvelous light. What a blessing it is to serve the Lord. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord today. Amen. I want to ask you something. I want you to think back for a minute. I want you to tell me. I want you to describe it for me. What was a defining moment in your life when you felt God's presence? It may have been the first time or it may have been a monumental time when God's presence came over you in a powerful way. There are a number of those times in my life. I remember as a teenager, if I'm not mistaken... I was at that happiest point of my life. I think I was about 16. And I had a good friend that was in church with me, and he was struggling. He was, he was in the youth group, but I could, you know, we, you kind of know when somebody uh, isn't, you know, they're just not plugged in, and, and he was there. And when pastor got done preaching, I, I turned to my friend, and I said, would you, would you want to go up to the, I'm going to go up and pray. Would you want to go with me? And, and he said, sure, I'll go. And, and we went to the altar. And I remember in that altar service, I was praying and he was praying. And I began to pray with him. I remember as I was praying, I moved around behind him and I put my hands on his back and I began to pray. And such a burden came over me and an anointing came over me. I, at somewhere in that prayer, I, I, I don't know, uh, I was still in the world, but I wasn't there. I, the last thing I remember was I had my hands on his back. And the next thing I remember is I came to up under the altar and all the lights in the auditorium were just, you know, they turned off all the lights. There wasn't hardly anybody there. I remember my, some of my family was still there. And I remember coming out from under that altar and trying to talk to my sister and my mother. And I was 
speaking in another language. And I, was, I, couldn't, I couldn't come to. I was so drunk they had to pack me in a car and drive me home that night. I'll never forget that night in the presence of the Lord. I haven't had those uh, continually. That doesn't happen every Sunday, but that was a monumental moment in my life. My life changed. God did it. Is there one in your life when God really, a monumental moment, where is it? Where was it? Do you want to share it? Lynn. I'm going to give you a mic, but that doesn't mean you, you get the mic. <laughs> no, no, you're going to need it. No. Um, okay, let me see how I can say this. Um, we got to go back. we got to go back, way back. Um, I guess it was a few years when I got into this church. Um, God did it in segments. When I went yeah. and talked to Brother Gene about something, there's nine words that stayed with me yeah. to this very day. When I was going through a lot of things, he said nine things, nine words. How bad do you want to let it go? That's nine words. Yeah. And that was the door that opened up for me to build a relationship with God. So in other words, I didn't just, just have an outpouring experience with God. He, he did this in those Gradually steps for bent. me. Gradually overcome. But we're going to go jump from there. And I tried for like a year to get the Holy Ghost. And um, I think Sister Jean pulled all my hair out trying to get me to do it. But I, I was having battles, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't Come get on, it. Come on, Lynn. <laughs> but uh, I, I love her. She's okay. Um, so I couldn't figure out why I could get it. Well, my experience came um, when God said, Lynn, you have to forgive. Yes. There has to be forgiveness in your heart before you can have an encounter with me. So I took a journey to my back past, went to Hecker and Marissa, went to all these places, to all these people that I stayed with over my life, and told them that, that I forgave them for what, yes. what I endured as a child. When I came back, when I came back, I, I was, there was one person that I was supposed to really say I was sorry to, that I really wanted to forgive him, and found out that he passed away a week before I was there. And mm. here, was another, here was another encounter, because I weeped uncontrollably, and I don't cry. <laughs> and I weeped uncontrollably and was driving home, and I said, God, why couldn't I not forgive this man for what he's done? And God says, now you know how I feel about you. Yes. And so I came to church that night. When I came to church, just by forgiving and knowing yes. the presence of God, my journey, That's and you all might think good. I'm crazy, but my journey, when I was going through the Holy Ghost, I was walking on a beach with God side by side. Yeah. No words said, because all words mean nothing to me. Yeah. But God's presence was there, and just by him being there, I heard everything he had to say. Yes. And that is the beginning of my journey to where I end up today. Amen. Awesome, Lynn. Awesome, Lynn. Thank you. Anybody else? Homer. Can you catch this? The time was, uh, I was in between 16 and 17. Um, started going to church when I was 13, but anyway, um, I'll just get right to it. Had a youth rally that we did every Saturday, once a month. And after the rally, we went to the, it was like a prayer thing just for overnight Sunday morning. And uh, after that, we went to the church after the rally, and there was about 30 of us, young kids and elders and people that prayed me through the Holy Ghost. And yeah. the time that I knew that it changed my life, well, when I got the Holy Ghost, it changed me. But I remember 
the time when we were praying, and you could tell people were sleeping, they were snoring. Yeah. Um, and it was early in the morning, I'd say 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And um, we, I had my leg up on a pew praying. You can hear the pastor. He was moaning. <laughs> and before you know it, I uh, had an elder up on the altar. He was leaning up by the piano. And I started praying with my leg over the pew. And then I got from there, and then I went over to the uh, organ and laid down there by the pew. And you know, I, I think it was like four or five of us. And then the baptism uh, had a little light with a star on it, like we got in the front of the church here. And you could see the light. That's the only light that we had in there. And the presence of God just come in there so heavy yeah. that I couldn't even move my leg off the, the yeah. pew. I mean, it no. was just an experience I have never, never ever in my life had experience, and that's yeah. the time that yeah. I remember, and uh, yeah. I went over to the altar. I mean, ooh, when you're in the presence of God, time doesn't mean nothing. Amen. I mean, before yeah. you know it, we was in there two, three hours, and we are still praying. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Amen. And, 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 you know, I'm speaking to myself. It's even hard for me now. You yeah. Know, it's just a, and I thought, well, God, I need to get back to that. Yes. You know, where yes. it's not just an hour to pray or 15 yes. minutes to pray. Yes. But, I mean, we just prayed and prayed. And the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, it was so yes. heavy, Brother Amen. Gene. I can't explain it. That it was just, I couldn't even move off the altar. I couldn't Amen. even move my leg off the pew. And then Life I went changed. over to the elder over there. And uh, his hair was all, it looked like a tornado went through his. I mean, he had a little bit of, well, I don't <laughs> want to start <laughs> pointing out people in the church. And God, but he had a ball spot and he had like a. Look like a toupee type thing. You just comb your hair. Comb it was over. all jacked up like it was stuck up in the air. It's just a presence of God just moving. Amen. That's how heavy it was. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Homer. Amen. God was good. You never forget those moments. Anybody else got one you never forgot? It's still in your mind, still in your heart. You Can you catch? No. <laughs> Tell us, Brother Rob. Yes, sir. It was in 1984. And this isn't really a spiritual thing, but my life was drastically changed. Um, I had everything going for me. I had life by the tail, I thought. Yeah. And um, one re one little wreck, you know, changed yeah. my life. Yeah. Totally. Yes, and sir. you know, if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here alive to tell it. Amen. That is right. Um, but it changed my life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was a miraculous intervention yes, by God. Yes, Amen. God's been good to us, hasn't he? Amen. You know, these moments in our life, this is what David mentions when he says to his wife, the Lord chose me. This is what he's going back to. The moment in his life when God showed up, he's minding his own business. Folks, we should never forget those moments. Like Homer said, we'd like to, it's like living on the mountain of transfiguration, like going to the mountain of transfiguration, and you, you're in this heavenly place. But you have to come down the mountain. You can't live there. I'd like to go back there, and, but I haven't experienced that every day. But I never forgot it. How many have one of those places in your heart? You, you know God met you there. Lift your hand if you, if you have one of those. Listen, it's very important that that affect our worship now, today. Uh, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, let's look at this. I, want you to, I, don't, I don't want you to leave and say, well, we didn't fill out our book today. But the first point is this. God desires worship. Everybody say worship. 
and I think we should, uh, we should understand that the Lord wants us to worship him. The Pharisees uh, tried to quiet people from worshiping Jesus, and he said, if these hold their peace, what? The rocks will immediately cry out. Is, is, he, is he talking about literal rocks? Well, is he just a figure of, figure of speech, so to speak? Uh, what's he saying? No, the, we, we understand that Jesus is speaking literal. If we don't praise him, something's going to praise him. Somebody say amen. And each day that we awaken free from our former life of sin or bondage, we should thank God and offer our praise to him. He's been good to us. How many know he's been good to you? Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. And people worship all kind of things. People wor- you do realize people worship all kind of things. How many's met people that worship other people? You met people that worship their job. You met people that worship their stuff. There, you know, many people worship all kind of different things. It's evident. How do you know they worship that? Think about people that you know worship something. How do you know they worship it? Because they talk about it. If they worship their truck, they take care of it. They go by your house and let you hear them go by. Slapper in neutral. Wang, I want the pastor to hear my new pipes. I kid you not, it happens. People don't honk. We live in the country. They come by my house and go. Wang. Proud of those pipes. Well, when, when you worship something, when you kind of excited about something you talk about it it affects your priorities it affects your decision it it also affects what you wear uh-huh everybody worships something Might as well. Uh, I've been working out. <laughs> yeah, like this. Like the bear in the barrel. That's the way I've been working out. <laughs> Look, for all you on the podcast, if they're even taking it, I can put on my LSU jacket, okay? Listen, if I put this on, and, you know, for you, it's probably uh, whoop de doo why do I even have one of these in my closet? What? Well, because you worship that. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> I don't want this to, but, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I got cardinal hats. I got LSU gear on my Christmas list every year is LSU gear. I'm a fan. I, there's a guy that has a, a, a website, Dandy Don. I mean, maybe you want to check it out sometime. I don't know. But early in the morning, I pray and talk to the Lord. Thank you, Sister Becky. I pray and talk to the Lord and spend time with the Lord. And then I make coffee and I sit down and I read Dandy Don. What's happened? I don't know if you folks know it, but LSU is the number one baseball team in the country. They won yesterday. 
LSU in 2020 recruiting in football. They're number one by Rivals.com in the nation in recruiting. You didn't know that, did you? You know how I know that? I'm a fan. But I want to tell you something, friend. I'm a fan of something much more important than this. And I want to tell you, I got those clothes in my closet too. No, you didn't hear me. I said, I got those clothes in my closet too. And I've been checking out his website today. I've been reading his word today. I've come today with some information for you that Jesus is worthy of my praise. I'm a fan. Oh, come on. I said, I'm a fan. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. Watch it, watch it, watch it. Thank you, baby. I told her I'd give her the shirt off my back. Is my hair okay? Hey, who cares anyway? Everybody say, I'm a fan. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you need to be a fan. Now, I'm, I'm hurrying. Number two, the outward evidence is simply an expression of what is inside. Do you know in Louisiana on Saturday, you put on your LSU gear? You know why? Because you are expressing. Is everybody okay? I'm a fan. The outward evidence is simply an expression of what's inside. I have never seen a publisher's clearinghouse uh, 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 commercial where they knock on somebody's door and they say, you get 5000 a week for the rest of your life. And when your life is over, you choose who gets the 5000 a week for the rest of their life. I don't know how you would act, but something inside would probably make itself evident on the outside. I've never seen anybody slam the door. I've never seen anybody saying, I was just getting my breakfast and you got me out of the chair for this. Come back tomorrow. No, everyone, they left the door wide open. They ran out screaming and hollering. Their family come out and they started hugging and kissing. Listen, when you feel something inside, uh uh-oh, I don't understand how people can be bored in church. Jesus called me out of darkness into marvelous light. He saved my soul. I want to praise him today because he is worthy. Come on, anybody love Jesus this morning? Come on, we're in a church where it's okay to express your affection and your love. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and give the Lord praise today. Hey, here's another point. David did not feel any reluctance about worshiping God. Underneath the cloak of the king beat the heart of a shepherd boy. He was not ashamed to worship God. Not reluctant at all. The Bible said he leaped and danced before the Lord. I don't know if you need a translation of those words, but leaping and jumping are two different things. I I can do that and jump. That's a jump. We play basketball around here, and we were playing with Nick Mahaney one night. We were playing, and, and, and he come over to somebody and said, man, did you see how high I jumped on that one rebound? And we go, yeah, he's about three inches off the ground. That's pretty impressive. 
I know why he thought he got high because, you know, when you're that big and you get it moving one way and you start. It's kind of like, man, the res- well, sorry about that. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. When you get, you get all that going up and then you come back down, it's, it's a pretty monumental deal. You feel that for a few seconds after that. Can I get a witness? Listen, David leaped, leaped, leaping, went leaping and dancing. That's not leaping. That's a nice little jump. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but we don't worship God like that. We'd, oh, and we could talk about Brush Harbor meetings or a few years ago, or I used to. David leaped and danced. I want you to know this is appropriate in the presence of the king. Amen. I, I said this is appropriate behavior. Please, listen, please, let me say something as the pastor of this wonderful church. Please don't instruct our new converts that it is okay to sit through a service and not experience anything. Please don't teach them by your actions that church is the place where you do nothing. This is the place we get engaged. This is the place where what's inside comes outside. I'm going to praise him. I don't care if I feel like it or not. I'm going to praise him anyway. He's worthy. Come on, somebody express. Somebody express your praise to God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. David became expressive. Everybody say expressive. In his worship and danced. How many used to dance when you're in the world? Anybody ever dance? Okay, raise your hand real high. Come on. What kind of dances were they back then? I see some hands raised, probably from the era of the Charleston, the jitterbug. What dances were there, Joyce, back in your day? Did they call them anything? Slow dancing to the twist. Everybody do the twist. Well, now, is the twist really just a twist? It's just, is this kind of like the twist? No? Huh? So there's a way to do the twist. Without you coming and tell me, am I getting close? One foot out. Up and down. Is that the twist? Okay. I know what the hokey pokey is. That was grade school. It was the twist. And this is the twist. David danced. Now we think dance. Oh no, you dance in the world at church. You just clear out a few chairs. Woo! That's not dancing. That's messing up the furniture. This is dancing. No, you, you're laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. This is dancing. Woo-hoo. Come here. This is dancing. Stepping all over her feet. (laughs) He danced before the Lord. It's okay to get out in the aisle and say, well, I can't run. No, you can't run, but can you move those feet? Listen, I think I I would jump on top of one of these white chairs. If if I had one of you 30 or 40-year-olds who knows what I'm talking about, do a little moonwalk for the Lord. (laughs) Woo! 
That's joy. People go to the bar or to the honky-tonk. They get inebriated. They lose their inhibitions. And they get out and they do things like this. You're never going to forget that. Church ought to be more joyous than that place. Now, Brother Gene, I know things ought to be done decently and in order. I understand that. But there are people that will tell you don't do all that because you're vulgar. No, you should worship God modestly. Amen. Amen. It's only the devil that tells you to disrobe while you're worshiping. You need to worship modestly. David expressed himself. Expressed himself. I would pray that when, when uh, people that's been in Celebrate Recovery come into this church, that they say, man, I've seen that in the world. I've seen people do that for the devil. I've seen people do that at a concert. I've never seen people act like that for Jesus. And they say, you know what? There's so much joy here. Please don't teach them that church, sit down and shut up. No. No, this is a place where you use your voice, you use your hands, you use your feet. <laughs> Somebody say amen. I, I would love to take time and figure out what the jitterbug is and what the Charleston is. And uh, maybe there's, you know, there was in my day, Brother David, they, they forget all that fancy stuff like Joyce did. Back in the 80s, they, it was kind of the... the uh, Grunt, well, I don't know what to call it, but, but the dance party was a mosh pit. Anybody ever know getting the mosh pit? You know what you do in the mosh pit? Just go crazy. Just run into people and bash into people and jump around and look like pigs, a bunch of litter of pigs that just had a good dinner. If you've been on the farm, you know what I'm talking about. Those little piglets, they, they get a good dinner and they get so full and they get so out of their mind, they start running around. They run into each other. They run into the wall. That's the mosh pit. I would to God, there'd be some of you get that moshy for Jesus. I don't ever want to get to the place where the preacher says, oh, pray for us, pastor, because we've lost our sense of worship. We're going to try to get people to clap tonight. Do you think that's okay? Let's try to get them to, I hope to God that in the history of this church, we don't ever get to the place where we have to beg people to use their hands and their feet and their, God's been too good to me. I said, God's been too good to me and he's been too good to you. Oh, come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. Come on, come on, this is a worship service. Lord, help me. I hurry, I'm closing. David's worship was an outward expression of the joy. The joy that he felt. He was bringing the ark back. Does anybody remember the first time he tried it? Somebody got killed. This time, nobody got hurt. Here's the ark back in the house of the Lord, and David is excited. But not everybody's excited. You ever been in a, a, a group of young people or young adults who start imitating how people worship? Oh, you guys ever seen Brother So-and-So? 
Yeah. Why do people do that? Why do people do that? I want you to think about that for a minute. Why do we sit and laugh about how brother so-and-so? I remember brother Nugent right in the front row. Brother Nugent, I remember his dance to this day. He'd put his hands together like this, and he'd go. To this day. You know why I remember it? Because I was sitting on the front row also. And on one of those momentous occasions, Brother Nugent got up and started going forward. And he jumped forward. And he come back. And he fell right on top of me. And then he started feeling the Holy Ghost. He started doing the Holy Ghost waller. <laughs> On top of me, I will never forget Brother Nugent's dance. I watched a man one night. The Holy Ghost got to moving. The choir was singing. A man in the back, young man, comes running Around the church, like some of these folks in this church, he comes running around this aisle right here, and there was carpet on the floor. He must have had him a brand new pair of shoes because he was spinning out. He was trying to turn, and he couldn't turn. And right in front of the pulpit, there was a big communion table. Remember those big communion tables? About that tall. And on top of that communion table was a big flower plant. Now, the platform was about five steps up This communion table was on the floor, but that flower arrangement went up to cover the front of the pulpit. We're talking six feet at least in the air. He comes flying around the corner. He's spinning out trying to miss the communion table. At somewhere in that moment, he realized, I ain't going to miss the communion table. So he just took off and he flat-footed and he jumped over the communion table and over the flower arrangement and landed on the other side and kept right on running. I stood, I still remember it to this day. You know what I don't remember? I don't remember how many people sat through a service. Everything I remember has to do with somebody responding to God. I remember Billy White's first Sunday back in church. He had dipped, dove into Indian Creek and snapped his neck and he was paralyzed from the neck down. I remember the first Sunday they rolled him back in church. He's lying flat on his back in a hospital bed and all service long I watched Billy throw his head back and forth like he couldn't lift his hands he couldn't get up and run I don't remember people sleeping through church I remember people oh yeah I remember people who said I don't care what anybody thinks I'm here to worship God and I know I'm past my time but this is a church that believes in expression of worship oh come on somebody worship God right now come on that ought to be the normal It ought to be the normal in the class for somebody to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. It ought to be a normal in the class for somebody to receive their healing. It's not out of order. No, it's normal. It's the way apostolic folks act. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus, the Lord has given us joy. The Lord called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. Somebody shout, praise the Lord. I'll tell you something. Read it for yourself. 
started about 1901. Started about 1901 and read it for yourself. Read church history. They didn't write about dead services. They didn't write about churches that were dead. They didn't write about saints who were sleeping through the sermon. What they wrote about, what was newsworthy, what hit the newspapers was an expression of worship. I want to tell you right now, there are churches all over this community. There are pastors all over this community that are saying our churches are dying. The worship of God's people is not there anymore. I want to tell you something, folks. I don't want to be a part of that culture. I, why would I want to be like that when they're miserable? They don't know what to do. They don't know where their freedom went. They know it's in their history, but it's not in their present. So let me say something to you today as your pastor. This is very important, very important because our young people need to know the expression of joy. You know what I know they know? They know the expression of intercession, weeping. Have you ever seen the choir singing a fast song and our teenagers come up and go, yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a position of worship. But what I haven't seen our teenagers enjoy is the joy of worship. They come up and cry, and we, we support it. In other words, some of the times we come up and think, well, we're just going to pray for them. And we just pray and cry, and we start hugging. So the choir will start singing a slow song because we're more comfortable with hanging on each other. And, Ooh, bless him, Lord. But where's the joy? Where are the saints of God that will say, oh, this is wonderful. You need to intercede. You need to repent. If there's something wrong, get it right. But when you get it right, there's a joy that comes. Come on, let's worship God. Come on, let's praise the Lord. I want us to flip the script. I still want them to kneel. I still want them to cry. But I'd like to see them follow some of us old folks around this church. And I can't run. You say, I can't run. What, can you walk? Just walk then. I don't know how to do the twist. I just know how to do the fumble. Well, then just do the fumble then. Woo! Everybody okay? I want our kids to feel the joy. I want them to be comfortable with the joy. Somebody say, it's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just we need the fullness of worship. Worship does mean bowing, yes. It does mean intercession. And I appreciate that. We need it. Don't, we're, not, we're not one or the other. We're both and. I've seen them at youth convention. They get so freaked out. They jump around. They come home for a few services. And I, I say, man, I hope they bring that to church. And you know what they do? They do. They, 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 as soon as they start worshiping, they start coming to the front. And, and they're kind of looking around like, and, and we go up as adults. We go put our hand on their shoulder. Oh, God, they came down here because they need to repent. I don't know what they're here for, God. Maybe they're there because they want to worship. They're just not sure how to do it in this environment. They know how to do it in a convention center, but they're not really sure <laughs> Come on, as people of God, we need to be free to express our worship to God. Somebody say amen. amen. You understand what I'm saying? I thank God for what he's doing. I, sorry, I went way over. I guess it's okay. I mean, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Somebody say amen. 
And I know they're up there listening. And when is he ever going to get done? Hey, y'all can come on down. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them, uh, we learned about the twist today. We learned about dancing. Hey, let's put this message into action today. God bless you. Greet somebody in Jesus' name and tell them it'll be wilder than this next Sunday. God bless you in Jesus' name.